Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. For the next three months, our children and family ministry will be online only. We are creating video content that includes challenges for kids as well as activities for families to do together. We encourage you to watch those videos and participate with us each week. Our 9 a.m. worship service will continue to be both in person and online so that you can join us in whichever way you feel most comfortable. And now, here is today's message. Um, today, now, as, I, as we, we look at this topic of knowing you, I have brought up that we are image bearers of God. Image bearers of God. And you are an image bearer of God. And the Bible says in the beginning, in the beginning in Genesis, that God created man in his image. He created him. Male and female. Ways we image God is our head. We study, we learn, we communicate as we grow to understand God. Then our heart and the way that we emote and have feelings and emotions and all of those things. And we, we, we emote and we image God that way. And then we, our hands, the way that we help culture and society. And, and so ways we image God, hand, heart, head, heart, hands. And, and as you look at the book of Ephesians, in fact, you can turn there in your, in your Bible or online, um, in your electronic devices. Ways, Ephesians is this practical journey through one thing, who you are in Christ. Say that with me. In Christ, in Christ. If you call yourself a Christian and if you've given yourself to Jesus, you are in fact in Christ. And either your identity is in Christ or it's an idolatry. In Christ or in idolatry. And last week, uh, you found out, some of you had no clue, as, as, as you live in Christ, you are a saint. You can go back and listen to that. You are a saint in Christ. I didn't say that. Our Heavenly Father says that through his word. And this week, we're looking at, and the thing that I want you to know is that your identity in Christ, as you walk and live and know your identity in Christ, that you are actually blessed. Say, I am blessed. I I am blessed. Okay, what does that mean? So online, what does blessed mean to you? What does it mean? To those of you in this room, what does blessed mean to you? Go ahead. I'm not rhetorical. I'm just putting it out there. What What does it mean when somebody says, I am blessed? And you're like, okay, God's favor. Okay, God's favor. Okay, is God's favor always good? Okay. Is it always something you want? Okay. So, so blessed, we, we need to grow to understand what the blessed life really means. And of course, there are a lot of theories and a lot of ideas that spin around in culture as it relates to the blessed life. There's a lot of bad and poor theology on the topic a blessing, but you are in fact blessed. My hope is today as you leave here that you'll wrap your mind around that more that the Holy Spirit will truly continue to reveal to you that you live a blessed life. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. Uh, go ahead and follow along with us and I'm going to read this to you and then I'll break it down a little bit further into, into my sermon today. And this is Paul writing to the Ephesians and he says, and these are big words, I, want, I pray that the Holy Spirit will right now 
allow these words to sink in because what we often do is we read through them, but we don't understand what they mean, and therefore we blow over them, and then we truly will never know the identity our Heavenly Father has for us, and honestly, what He even thinks about yourself. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he what? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with his riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You're dismissed. Have a good day. The reality is, is that's powerful, powerful words. In fact, if you went back to the beginning of Genesis, you'll see that our first parents, Adam, our first, the first man and woman were created in God's image, and he did what? In Genesis 1.20, it said, he blessed them. Our first parents, did they ask to be blessed? No. He simply did it out of his gracious good. This... This is, honestly, people don't talk about how God created humans and then he blessed them. We don't talk about. If you study world religions and supernatural belief systems, you'll be hard-pressed to find any, any concept of God as someone who delights in blessing people. Instead, the common portrait of God is that he must be manipulated and coerced into blessing us. So people are taught that they must do something such as Suffer, fast, pray, enter an alternate state of mind, repeat a mantra, own sacred objects, make a large financial contribution, take a sacred pilgrimage, offer an animal or even human sacrifice, meet with a guru, shaman, a medicine man, or cast spells or something else to make God bless them. Whatever that method is, the message is this, that somehow we have to or you have to manipulate God for him to bless you. And I've met people over the years 
who have lived double lives. It's like they, they uh, knew how to speak Christianese, but they lived an alternative lifestyle and whatever that would look like for you. Alternative. And, and they could answer the questions, but be, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, they were living something else and they were disgruntled or they were struggling or they had issues at some level. And why? Because they didn't truly believe that God could bless their life. And they didn't believe that they were in any way loved because of the issues and the baggage and the stuff that they had. So what did, what did they do? They said, you know what? I'll put on the face, but I'm going to live some other way. And I wonder if that's anybody online or in this room today. And a person I knew was a person that where she said the Holy Spirit showed up recently in spring this um, sprang out of this lie that I believed that I could please God with my life and that's not the case at all. I couldn't please God with my life. In reality, he's pleased when I come to him completely empty, destitute, with nothing to offer and nothing to bargain with. Because you know what God does? He fills the emptiness with Christ and he identifies you as their own identifies you. I don't have to trick God, this person said, the way I trick my friends into thinking I know him because God knows. God knows how you think, how you see, how you live, how you respond, how you act. In Paul's time, people struggled with the same notion as this friend of mine, thinking that they needed to trick God into blessing them. And Ephesians was this premier city of religion, and, and, and supernatural and spirituality and people would travel all over to come for festivals and they would try to manipulate the spirit for blessing and they were known for occult rituals. And Paul's writing to an occult-ish, spiritist, uh, like supernatural place and he's writing into that culture and he's writing into the Christian community that's living in that culture. And I would venture to say that we don't have to walk very far in the city of Austin, in the greater area, to find some alternative supernatural spiritist stuff. Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus and a near riot erupts because people were profiting from the magical arts and the church in Ephesus brought their magical books and they burned them. The Christians heard that this is not what is right and they burned them and Luke estimated the values, the value of people bringing their supernatural, their magical art books, all of that stuff that was literally, they burned 50,000 days wages was when they brought their books and burned him. And Paul talks a lot about spiritual warfare and demonic power and the victory of Jesus more than any book other than Ephesus. Any other, other book in the New Testament doesn't even come close. So I think that people are as pagan today as they were then. Do you? People are constantly trying to manipulate the spirit realm even to this day. But Paul wanted us to know that we don't need to manipulate God. You do not need to manipulate God. I'm I'm, I'm happy to say that with me. I do not need to manipulate God. I do not need to manipulate God. You may think you can, and unconsciously you may do it, but Jesus said that God is a good father who delights, delights in blessing his kids. In fact, it says in Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then... Though you are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And maybe there was so much misunderstanding of God that, and needing to be appeased that that is why Paul began Ephesians with one of what I would say is the most dense verses in the whole Bible. And the, the original Greek, 12 verses of Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, are in fact one long sentence of 202 words. One long sentence, the densest verse in all of Scripture. And Paul started by saying that we, would, that we should bless God because he has blessed us in Christ. In fact, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so the concept of blessing is this. I want you to get this. Is to speak well of, to praise, to extol, or to bestow a favor, or to provide with benefits. And both ideas appear in Paul's opening letter. We are to praise God for the favor that he shows us. And what Paul, Paul is recollecting God's blessings in Christ. It's kind of like this fireworks. Have you ever watched the grand finale of fireworks? And you watch it and it's kind of like when Paul is reflecting on the goodness of God and God's blessings and, and who we are in Christ Jesus, it's like this grand finale. And the bl- one blast after another before telling us what we should do for God, Paul wanted us to know what God has done to bless us. And so, you are blessed in Christ. And Paul was emphatically clear that any blessings we have are a result of being in Christ. You are, if you are a Christian and a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ. And Paul, this, in my estimation, explains why he mentioned Jesus no, more, no fewer than 14 times in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. And interesting, even more though, is in Christ or in him appears some 36 times throughout Ephesians and it occurs 11 times in the first 14 verses of Ephesians. So, if a genie in a bottle promised to grant you one wish, what would you choose? Question. Online. Genie offered you a wish, one wish. Genie in a bottle, what would that wish be? What? Another wish. But you can't wish that. What would it be? Online. What would you wish for? Wealth? Power? Love? Consider that God has given us himself. In this life, God may not give you health, wealth, simplicity, or ease, but he's given you what? Himself. If you're in Christ, you are blessed by and welcomed into the entire community of the Trinity. Ponder that for a moment. Think about what he has given you. Nothing compares to the blessing that you have in Christ. So why do we try to move right or left of that? There are times maybe you don't feel blessed and the fact is that we're always blessed and there's a gal, I'll call her, her name is Jean, found this through deep tragedy in her life and she said this, 
as a believing child of God, I was subconsciously, I subconsciously thought that the way my life worked out was evidence of God's blessing. Have you ever thought that? That the way that your life works out is evidence of God's blessing. Okay? When my dream of a forever marriage ended in divorce after 20 years, I was afraid Jesus was rejecting me. And then she goes, I got remarried. And it turned out to be an abusive relationship. And it ended. I showed up in front of a judge. And the judge says I need to make better decisions and choices. She goes, I was afraid that Jesus was rejecting me. And she thought, isn't a child of God supposed to be shielded from this kind of soap opera life? And Jean starts a business that flourished. But ultimately the business because of certain decisions and choices and everything, came crashing to the ground. And on top of that, the issues she was facing, her 24-year-old son died of a massive seizure. Where is God in that? Through all the pain and loss, God was working in Jean's life. And she said, gradually, I realized I had believed my identity in Christ was measured by how well I did in life circumstances, particularly financial. She said, as I studied the theme of redemption, I realized that there is no sin or circumstance that he will not forgive. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can disqualify me from serving him if I repent and allow him to use the past to glorify him. I began to realize that being a child of God doesn't mean I'm impervious to failure or harm. But it does mean that I can trust in the sovereignty of a loving God whose plans for me are good. And whose presence brings me peace. And who is preparing me, preparing an eternal home for me. And that will delight all of my senses. Sometimes we get so focused on our desired blessing that we fail to stop and thank God. And remembering the blessings he's already given you in Christ. Right now, regardless of your circumstances, your situation, whatever it may be. The fact that you are in Christ. Your life could end right now. And your life has been a blessing. Regardless of what would take place even in the future. So, Paul models this attitude of gratitude for us early in Ephesians. And he recounts the unbelievable eternal blessings that all of us have in Christ. And so here we go. The eternal blessings of God in Christ are, and this is you, the blessing of holiness. Holiness. Ephesians 1.4. For the Christian, holiness... Here, let me, let me read this to you. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. So for us, it's positional holiness and it's what? Practical. In Christ, our position before God is holy and without blame. Do you believe that? Literally, today. When you leave here... You are blameless before God if you are in Christ. Martin Luther was fond of calling Jesus' work on the cross the great exchange. There our unrighteousness went to Jesus who suffered and died in our place and Jesus' righteousness came to us. And the result is that God now graciously sees us as he sees Jesus, righteous and holy. If that, if that doesn't make you want to just 
go, come on, come on. In what ways then, here's the question. In what ways has God changed you to become more holy because of Jesus' blessing? In what ways has he made you, what? More holy because of Jesus' blessing. You can do that online. I'm asking you here in person. In what way has he made you more holy or have you become more holy because of Jesus' blessing? Anybody? Taking away bitterness. Mm, That's good. Renewed your thinking. That's good. Anybody else? So, how are we reflecting Christ more today than we first became a Christian? If you are in Christ and holiness is part of who you are in Christ, my question to you is how are you reflecting Christ more now today than yesterday and when you first gave your life to Jesus? Or have you seen a digression? This is big. Because some of us are sitting here today and we're going, I, um, I'm digressing and I'm struggling. And you know what? If you, will, if you will continue to read through Ephesians and particularly these verses and you begin to pray them, they will transform and renew your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. So holiness, the eternal blessings of God in Christ are holiness. Secondly, the blessing of predestination. Blessings, eternal blessings of God in Christ are the blessing now of predestination. And Paul taught that God has chosen and predestined you to receive his love, enjoy his grace, and to be his friend forever. In the Old Testament context, this idea is expressed in various forms. So words such as a plan, a purpose, and choose. The New Testament uses predestined, elect, chose, appointed. And the doctrine of predestination can be controversial. If you've ever sat in Christian circles and you've debated or had theological debates or doctrinal debates or whatever, why does God save some people and not others? Is there no hope of salvation for those who are not chosen by God? And what I have found is that it's sad that these hard questions are often debated more than the divine truth of predestination is celebrated. And that is, before time began, God predestined a plan to love and save his people and save your life. You can sit and debate all day about predestination. (laughs) But according to Ephesians chapter 1, he chose you and predestined you. He, he, he sought you out. He knew that you would be sitting here listening online and that you would choose to be saved. And before time, he predestined a plan to love and save. How did God accomplish that? Through what? Through Christ's work on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit and by what us? Us living it. Our lives being messages of hope and truth and joy and all of that. So how did Christ's work, how did this all happen of this predestined through Christ's work on the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the preaching and, and the examples of our lives, what Jesus has done for us. And we Christians are to lovingly and truthfully and humbly present the gospel of Jesus to non-Christians and see what God does as a result. And here's, what, here's the relief about it. I'm going to tell you this. Oftentimes the pressure, and I've had people come and say, hey, Jason, I have a friend today that's going to be online or going to be in person, and I hope you do a good job presenting the gospel. 
because if you don't, you know. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to know that. Okay? And so we put this pressure on that somehow we are the ones that save, deliver, and set free people. And that's not true. It is merely your responsibility by the command of God that he says, go and live your life and share hope and all of that. And if people want to receive that, they will. And if they don't, they won't. But it is God's job to save, set free, and deliver. And the pressure is off. But here's the deal. There is the reality that we, can, that we could also go and say, well, because of that, I'm just going just gonna to kind of blow it off. and we'll just be. No, our Heavenly Father wants us to be intentional with our lives and not just meander through our lives. But you shouldn't have this overarching condemnation. Remember last week I talked about that. Some people feel about their faith in God. They feel condemned because maybe they don't do this and this and this and this. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am asking you to pray and ask God to reveal to you how you can live your life, your blessed life, out to reach and impact culture. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he what? He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been, you know, like lined up and picked for kickball or for baseball or for something, or, or maybe you were the last one standing and you were there and you're like, oh, no one's going to pick me. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Maybe you didn't. But isn't it cool to know that before, the, before even you were made, that he picked you for his kickball team? He picked you for his kickball team. And, and he would do it again if he had to, but he doesn't. Because you said yes. And you said, I'm in. The eternal blessings of God in Christ are holiness, predestination, the blessing of adoption. God is a father, and in Christ you are adopted into his family. And get this, in the 39 books of the Old Testament, God is referred to only as a father roughly 14 times. And each one is really, it's impersonal, and it's in reference to the nation of Israel and not individuals. But everything changed in Jesus. He spoke of God as father more than 60 times in the New Testament. And Jesus prayed this, the informal and tender prayers to God the Father and called him, as we know, dad or papa and now we follow the example of saying we understand that we are yours god we are adopted by you and i can call out to you and i don't have to be afraid of you and you take care of me and you look out for me in ephesians 1 5 he predestined us for what adoption i want you i love you you. I'm for you. You are in me, and I am in you. That's your identity. That's your identity. Blessing of adoption. The eternal blessings of God in Christ are then the blessing of redemption. So, I mean, apart from Christ, we're slaves to sin, and, and in which is the Bible's language of sin what is addiction? Addiction, remember, we're either in Christ or we're living in idolatry. And the imagery of, for slavery and redemption is birthed out of the, the story of Exodus. 
And it's where the Israelites are, are uh, in bondage and slavery. And, and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my, peop- let, let my people go. And let my, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. They're God's people. They're God's people. And eventually Pharaoh gives in. And, and we know that at the, that, well, before that, literally, there was going to be this final plague. And it was the firstborn son of the Egyptians that was going to be taken out. And if the Israelites took and they sacrificed a spotless, perfect lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of their home, their firstborn would in fact be saved. And that is imagery of redemption that was birthed out of Exodus. And God's people were redeemed, free to leave slavery. And we know that after that... that Pharaoh goes, get out of my land, get out of my territory. I want you to leave. And God's people were redeemed, free to leave slavery and live as free worshipers of God. And you were redeemed. Whatever has enslaved you, Jesus has redeemed you from. But has your identity caught up to that reality? Has your identity caught up to the reality that you're redeemed and you are freed? You are in Christ. And therefore, because you are in Christ, you don't have to live in bondage anymore. So why is it that we go and we put ourselves in a cell, close the door, throw the key out and go, this is my lot? That's not your lot. You've chosen to live that way. And in many cases, the enemy has has made you believe that but you don't have to your identity knowing yourself is knowing that you've been redeemed in fact ephesians 1 7 says this in him we have redemption through what his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace the eternal blessings of god in christ are also the blessing of forgiveness and so i ask some questions What deep regret haunts you? What words have you spoken? Deed have you done? Motives have you held? Lies you have believed? Harm have you caused? People have you grieved? And shame have you carried? What have you done to try to clear your guilty conscience? Because in Christ... You are totally, completely, and eternally forgiven. You are forgiven. God does not hold your sin against you. Hmm. Ephesians 1 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then, the eternal blessings of God in Christ are the blessing of grace. In fact, Ephesians 1, 7, and 8, I'm going to keep reading these through to you. I'm hoping they'll sink in. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And when Paul wrote of God's grace, 
Theologians have talked about this is, is there's a common grace and a saving grace. There's a difference. The common grace is the people that literally live in your neighborhood and in your, your work environments and, and those that don't believe in God or in Jesus, they literally have a grace and therefore they have a blessed life. They make money and they, they create things and they're, industri- they're industrious in, in life. And so there's this grace that people have from God. It's just common grace. People experience it in their lives. That's why philosophy and areas such as science and philosophy and technology and education and medicine, all these things can expand because God's common grace allows societies to flourish. But in addition to common grace, which everyone receives, those in Christ will receive something that's called saving grace. Like common grace, saving grace has unbelievable, innumerable benefits in this life. However, like, unlike common grace, it provides infinite benefits beyond this life and that it reconciles us to God through Christ freeing us to spend eternity in the presence as holy in presence of Jesus as holy and blameless individuals and Paul spoke of grace more than any other biblical writer he wrote about it some 100 times and he opened and closed his letter with the topic of grace and I want I think this is what he wanted us to know that it's impossible that it's impossible to be in Christ in any way or to any other degree apart from the grace of God. And what that means is that I don't walk around going, ooh, I've arrived, ooh, I have it, I have it all together, ooh, I'm amazing, ooh, I'm, you know, whatever. And you have this pride. No, 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 it's in Christ. It's in Christ you have received that grace. And then the last thing, and I'm, and I'm done. The eternal blessings of God in Christ are the blessing of being sealed. The blessing of being sealed. So in the ancient world, Owners would affix a personal seal to their possessions. And what is that for us? The Holy Spirit. God places his seal upon us. The Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We now what? We now belong to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is the beginning of the blessing that awaits. It's, it's, a, it's a taste of heaven. His spirit in us that, that awakens us and reveals to us that we are in Christ and that we are a part of, of Christ and, and as his possession and it's, it's part of our inheritance and this life is only the beginning of our blessing eternally. I'm going to stop there. Um, I've got more, but I need, to, I need to stop. And if I need to address it a little bit later, that's fine. You are in Christ. Bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, this I know, that you do bless us. And why do you bless us? Is it so that we're just, we're just so amazing? What is it, God? No, the reason you bless us is to the praise of your glory. You bless us to the praise of your glory. I pray that God, all of us today, online, in person, will understand the bless, will grow to understand the blessing, understand that we are in you, are in you, Christ. In Christ, we live and move and exist 
God, and, and, that, and that to the praise of your glory, these things we've experienced, these things are our identity. God, we, we are in you. And that, God, I pray we wouldn't push that off anymore. I pray, oh God, that you'll help us to apply Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. And I wonder, if all heads bowed and eyes closed, and online, is there anybody in here that is struggling with the reality of blessing and understanding that identity? If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. What I'd like you to do is just, just look at me, I guess. And I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to call your name out. See ya. Yeah. And I'm lying. Lord, today, would you awaken your church, your kids, to the reality of your blessing and that they live a blessed life regardless if it goes this way or that way because they're in you, Jesus. They are blessed. And I pray right now, oh God, that your spirit would capture their heart capture their heart and God bring them into a renewed relationship with you Holy Spirit you are welcomed in these spaces and places right now fill the heart of individuals that are God struggling to receive this blessing Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come And Lord, if there's anybody today that doesn't know you, has never committed his life or her life to you, I pray today they would. And that they will never be the same again. That literally their identity in heaven changes. And on earth changes. Oh God, to the praise of your glory, we are blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And you're awesome. In mighty and limitless name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to join us on our YouTube channel Friday mornings at 10 a.m. for The Truthcast, a weekly podcast from Pastor Jason. We'd also like to invite you to download the brand new New Hope 365 app where you can access media, give, and keep up with everything happening here at New Hope 365.